Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram Aaron underscore Dugan. Ole Miss State of the Union today with Neil McCready of RebelGrove.com covering the Ole Miss Rebels. We also have some trash talk and uh, sportsmanship conversations that need to be had because grown adult men do not know how to behave on the end. Um, so we will discuss some things that took place over the weekend. We can't have nice things. Uh, I also am going to give away this hat. Check it out on the YouTube. Hey. Make, make sure you're on the YouTube. So rate, review, subscribe. There is a fancy, allegedly, allegedly Ole Miss Rebels hat up yep. on the screen right now from our good friends, University Traditions. We're going to give that away. Uh, Neil McCready is actually going to help us. I put the guest to work this week, Aaron. Love and that. so the trivia question is going to, I'm going to start with the trivia question now. For those who are really loyal to the show, they might get it. And then later, we'll add some more context to the question to make it easier for people to potentially get. And if you're an Ole Miss fan, you should get it by the end of the show. And tweet me the details about the question. And the first one to do that and tag at Braden Gall at 440 Sports. Uh, we'll send you this hat. Uh, nice. Shout, shout out to all the people that have won the hats. We've got uh, Chris and, and Jason and a bunch of other people that have won hats. So we're going to give away an Ole Miss hat. So here's the question. I went to a game um, at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Yep, And it is one of my favorite experiences in the history of college football fan. If you can tell me details about that game, maybe what that game was or what took place in that game, very memorable game, I will send you this hat, Ole Miss fans. I'll give you more details later on. But if you're a loyal listener and you've heard me tell the story before on the show, then you might know and you might get it right away and you might be faster with the Twitter fingers. Right. Of somebody else. So there you go. Uh, there's your a, a, allegedly, allegedly Ole Miss Rebels official gear. That's actually an incredibly awesome hat. So go check out University Traditions. They do great work. Um, all right. Firstly, before we get to the trash talk stuff, Aaron, I just want to read you some comments. This is why we don't particularly go deep into position battles or scrimmages or what have you. Because this was Kirby Smart <laughs> talking about his quarterbacks after George's first scrimmage. Um and like the language he uses to describe each of his three players is almost literally identical. So-and-so has got really good command of the offense. He understands it inside and out. He communicates it. He gets things correct. He also had a couple of poor decisions and choices today, but he also makes some plays, some really good throws. He's a really good presence in the pocket to move around. Next one. So-and-so made some plays. He made some plays getting out of the pocket, made some good throws. He had a couple of downfield throws. Down. I, I think he wished he'd have back. Give us a chance in some 50-50 situations. Keep the ball in Keep bounds. Keep the ball in bounds with that. With that, yeah. But he did a really good job in two in two minutes. Minutes? Two is that minutes. a typo? <laughs> in two minutes. Yeah. I mean, it literally, this is it's so it's so word for word and short that I can there is, you know, I can follow you exactly on his exact quotes. And there's we could read them all in unison, in sync, and it still would not have any impact because he didn't say anything. But keep going, Braden. You want to read the third one just for good measure? Yeah. So-and-so made some plays. Wow, Kirby. Way he to change it up. So-and-so made some plays with his feet. The administration of the offense, getting everybody lined up, getting going, getting the call in, which is not all on him, but he's growing and getting better. He made some nice throws. So I'm going to keep repeating myself. That That's verbatim what Kirby Smart said. I'm going to keep repeating myself. We got three pretty good quarterbacks, and they've all grown, each one of them, and they all have three different – they're all different in their own ways. Look. We can debate like this is why we don't cover individual battles in the spring. Fall, he starts saying this stuff. It's whittled down to maybe two out of three names. We can start having some conversations. But that right there, what Kirby Smart said about his three quarterbacks, almost literally verbatim the same thing about all three of them, is why we cannot cover position battles in the spring all that seriously. It's and this happens where we can't cover it effectively for two reasons. One is a lot of times coaches really don't know who it's going to be. Um, and two, because even if they do, they're not going to tell you. So, no. and often, I mean, a lot of decisions haven't been made at this point. And then as we'll talk about, as we get closer to the fall, Kirby smart will probably not be, um, will not be one of the ones to do this because that's just not really how his program runs. But we have talked a lot before in the past about coaches waiting too long to make that decision and not being able to really build a lot of the playbook around a specific quarterback and the way he plays and how he moves on his feet and all that stuff. So there's several reasons why it, it doesn't matter, but the main two are, Sometimes they don't know, and if they do know, they're not going to tell us. And and we'll kind of talk about this with Neil, uh, frankly, about Ole Miss. Like, Georgia's quarterback battle is extremely conventional. It, it's like, 
All three guys they recruited, all three guys they've developed, they have varying degrees of experience, and it's their system. It's Georgia's team. The Ole Miss quarterback battle is extremely unconventional. Three transfer quarterbacks from three different phases of their career, and Neil is going to give you a great breakdown of all three guys, all three getting NIL money, all three motivations, what did Lane Kiffin tell them, all kinds of stuff from Neil McCready coming up, and we'll give away a hat a little bit later on as well. Let's get. Let me ask you a question before we move on. Yeah, go for it. What do you think? uh, There's a couple just. There's a couple easy things that come to mind, but when what's let's talk about some of the actual differences in the quarterback battle, like get into what's different when you recruit these guys versus when you have people coming in from three different programs, because some of them are obvious, but some of them maybe not as much. Like, what do you think specifically about Ole Miss? I know that Neil's going to get into it, but what's the main difference here? You're trying to see if you can execute a system you already already know and who can just master what Georgia's already kind of instilled in them. And how much harder is the one with transfers? I mean, like I trust. It, it's funny. I like I trust Lane Kiffin's offense way better. And again, Neil's going to get into the differences between all three. Right. What they, we'll let what him they, do that. What they bring to the offense, which I think you've heard us talk about on the show plenty. It's just Lane Kiffin by by definition is unconventional as a human being. Um, Kirby Smart is conventional as a human being. Uh, they run programs similar to their personality and. Again, Georgia recruited all three guys. All three guys came up in the system. They're going to develop them, and a winner's going to be picked, sort of like we've done in college football for like 100 years. Whereas Would you Lane- say that that's more systematic than you know, yeah. that's more systematic than situational? Lane will kind of adapt in that you know mad scientist offensive mind that yeah. he has, base it around who he's planning on starting or who's showing showing out as the standout front runner. And then Kirby has a little bit more of a, do you fit into our system and can you do what we're going to do? Right. Which is more similar to Alabama's style of play than, you know, Lane's style is going to be. Yes. And, and some of that, um, and like, what, what is the last thing that Ole Miss is sort of missing in terms of breaking through, getting over the hump, pick, pick a cliche. It is that programs like Alabama and Georgia recruit, 80 most of the 85 man scholarship roster and a big chunk of Ole Miss's team comes out of the portal and that's just because Ole Miss has not gotten to that level yet and may never we don't know maybe they do maybe they don't um but we know the teams that recruit most of their roster from high school and most and and the teams that sort of have to fill gaps through the portal a lot more often and Ole Miss is again even just I think Lane Kiffin just naturally is far more unconventional and again all this stuff we will get into a very long conversation with Neil McCready uh, about the Ole Miss Rebels. Um, all right, so football in the SEC. Uh, they have four straight national championships, three different teams, Georgia, Georgia, Bama, LSU. Yeah. Uh, uh, college baseball, three consecutive national championships in college baseball with three different teams from the SEC, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and your Vanderbilt Commodores because 2020 didn't happen. Um, the College World Series is Oklahoma back-to-back champs. They'll be joining the SEC next year. And now, of course, you've got women's college basketball, LSU's first ever national championship in either men's or women's basketball. And that's right. We're talking about women's basketball because the SEC pooped down its leg in the men's basketball tournament. And we yes, just had the, and we just had the most successful, most watched, most high-profile women's college basketball tournament in the history of the sport. And no, that is not the the story and the topic and the thing that this, that is the headline that we should be taking away from this NCAA tournament is that the women's game and the growth of the game, the interest in the sport is at an all time high. We love college softball. It rates higher than the College World Series. Women's sports success is the story. Yes. Not. What old men think is appropriate on a court so also newsflash young women don't care <laughs> what you think but the eyes on the sport you're right Braden. is that's the where story. we are i hate that it comes in these like stupid ways but honestly at the end of the day who cares because it's at least eyes are on it. And the same old men that were talking about that being classless or, you know, uh, inappropriate are the same ones that call the sport boring. Well, well, exa- well exactly. There's so many different quick, quick, like there's, we got to hit like as many layers as possible. Cause there's so much. Let's hypocrisy. go. You, you guide there's, us. There's so much hypocrisy here. And so just for those that don't boring. know, angel, angel Reese, Bayou Barbie baller, 17 NIL deals, 
more than almost every other female athlete and almost every college football player in all of college athletics makes her a a better business person than almost everyone in the sport. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, she happens to be a national champion as well. Caitlin Clark plays for Iowa. She's also spectacular. Also trash talks all the time. Trash talked against Louisville in the Elite Eight multiple times. Was dogging out South Carolina by just like not. She was like waving at one of the girls who was beyond the three point line. She was just like, yeah, I'm not I'm not even going to guard you. Like, I'm going to let you shoot like and she just like literally in the play waves at her. Yeah, she does the John Cena thing against Louisville. She tells a girl on the Louisville team, dude, quit like. You're down by 15. Shut up. Like she says that on the court to a girl. <laughs> and SportsCenter does a best clapbacks of all time montage about Caitlin Clark. So then Angel Reese wins a national championship. Again, Bayou Barbie does the does the John Cena thing right into her face, does the Joe Burrow thing, which is the point to my finger right. on the ring, which is a which is a hat tip to Joe Burrow's national championship thing, which he did on the field. LSU football a white male did it on the field no yes. problems no problems with that nope um and and what do we get what do we get we get we get liberals and conservatives we get Keith Olbermann and Clay Travis and Dave Portnoy and yes all of your names belong in this show um yes. Danny Cannell you name it what do they all have in common they're all old rich white people males males especially and it's like, oh, she's a piece of trash. She's a piece of shit, even. A classless piece of shit, I think I saw as well. I, I, do you like Larry Bird? Do you like Michael Jordan? Do, do you like like the Gator Chomp? Do you like Hook'em Horns? Do you like Bat Flips? Like, uh, Do you like NFL celebrations after touchdowns and turnovers? Here's my one thing, dudes. Here's my one thing. I'm already, so stupid. I'm already worked up. Because it is obviously laced with extraordinary amounts of race and misogyny. But here is here's what I'm here's what I'm going to say to give people an honest take here. If you are just a lowercase c conservative type of person who doesn't cuss in their life, whatever it is that you think makes me a heathen. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. I I drink whiskey and you know, like I had premarital intercourse and like I don't know, like I don't I cuss, I say the word fuck. Like I don't just whatever as if i'm way better if you are if you live in a life that you have chosen that is far more like i don't even know what the right word is because i don't want to be insulting to someone who's chosen to live that way like if you just like you don't smoke weed you don't drink you're a puritan whatever i don't i don't know what the right word is but if that is your choice and you are consistently that way then great awesome you can say that you don't approve of her behavior i thought that was taunting i thought that was rude but you better live that way and talk that way about everything exactly. So I'm going to excuse. Are you okay, Aaron, excusing those people from this? Like, that's fine. I mean, they probably don't listen to the show. So, <laughs> probably not. We, yeah, sure. I mean, they'll never hear this, but sure. But, that, but in the interest of being fair, like if you are sort of anti touchdown dance, anti bat flip, anti you know in anything personal right. anybody having fun on a on a on an athletic field if you're if, against if you're against that that's the dependent part of the clause can i just substitute the last half of the clause but if you're dave portnoy you are not the definition of classy oh like, no like no matter what you think about portnoy i don't like i don't care i think some stuff he's done is admirable i think some stuff he's done is not classy at all i don't really care i think he exists in his own space but i just don't understand why he along with the other names on this list think they defined classiness that's interesting or maybe i hope it's a tactic where they're trying to draw more attention to women's basketball i hope that's what it is because if it's anything else which i know it's not no they're trying to draw attention to their websites that's what they're trying to do yeah it's clickbait they they want clicks um also i i also think there is just a like a visceral reaction from like old white men who just can't you're like oh <laughs> just they see a young black woman having fun and doing the same thing old Larry Bird did every single day of his effing life and they just can't handle it it just they just can't handle it and I'm like dude not only I have two daughters not did only Caitlin is- Clark get anything you mean like all this track like all the stuff on Twitter any- no she- of course not she didn't get any right no of course not. Yeah. I just I just said Sports Center put together a montage of clapbacks 
best clapbacks by Caitlin Clark of the tournament. They were celebrating the shit talking by Caitlin Clark. So again, I have two daughters. Not only is she a badass basketball player and a national champion, and I would say, yeah, look up to the what, what she's accomplished in her career, but she's also one of the best business people, smartest marketers in the history of college athletics. So look, I, good good luck to you, Bayou Barbie. I don't think you're going to get that trademark you're looking for. <laughs> but 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 uh, she is an extraordinarily accomplished young person and absolutely is a role model for my daughters. And if you can't talk shit in the final seconds of winning a national championship, what is the point? What right? is the point? <laughs> it's so much more fun. And, I, you know, I just hate that the way the attention's coming to women's sports. But at the end of the day, it's never getting the recognition. It's never getting the talk. It's never getting the headlines that it deserves. And this is fun to watch. So, I mean, it, I guess it's kind of like you have to take what you can get until you get exactly what you deserve. Um, but the the talk around it, unfortunately, in this day and age is better than nothing. It's and, just ridiculous that the headlines were what they were. Well, and why why do you think this was the highest rated, most watched women's final four of all time? Because of the shit talk. Because of personality. Right. Because of t it's talent mixed with personality put on a big stage. And that is what draws people in. In particular, young people, not old white people. And I'm an old white man. So I'm I'm putting myself in this boat. I just... Apparently, I've lived my life like a heathen, so therefore, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't see glassless trash when I see a girl shit talk right. again. Again, Henry Toto, if you're a Tennessee fan, Henry Toto, Adam Sparks just published this from the Knoxville News Sentinel. He just published this story. He was doing an interview with Henry Toto at the combine or something, and he was basically said, "Who talks the most trash of anybody in the SEC?" And Henry Toto said, "Everybody at Tennessee." Tennessee players, Tennessee fans, everybody in Neyland Stadium. That was real hard to go back to. But you know what? I had to soak it all in, and I had to take it, and I had to play through it. So if you're a Tennessee fan, you can't say a word because you guys just gave it to, to, to a former player who plays for Bama. Again, what about the hook? Like this goes, this goes all the way to the college ranks of officiating, which drives me nuts that we can't – like there's a line, right, Aaron? Like if you, if you, if you hit a receiver – defenseless and he's knocked out cold or and you you're standing over him pointing at him talking trash yes yeah. that's that's too much if someone is injured and you are taunting them down into their face I i'm good with the penalty throw the penalty totally 100 percent. aside from and and frankly you know angel reese could have gone too far i guess like if she goes like into the other team's locker room and starts like physically assaulting Caitlin Clark, I'd be like, oh, no, that's bad. Don't let's not do that. Like, that's too far. You've gone too like there's a line. And I think in any time there's racial slurs brought up or anything yeah, that has to do with like exactly. race. It, yes. Any of that is an absolute no. Which, of course, was all of the it was all uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, like they're, they're like words that are covering up what they really want to say. <laughs> the All the oh, tweets, yeah, all the tweets from these people are all just it's all coded language. It's all dog whistle coded language stuff. And and, right. and and Angel said it as much after the game. She's like, look, I'm people don't like the way I look. People don't like the way I act. I'm here to represent who I am. And I know there's people looking up to me because they want to see themselves in somebody in this stage. And that, that that's important to a lot of young women. Uh, again, like. If you if you're a Texas fan or a Gator fan and you have all these hand signals in college football, you score a touchdown, you do the Gator chomp or the you know the tomahawk chop or like that's the same. It's not any different than than doing a hand gesture in front of your face, yeah, or, or pointing to your finger when you're about to win a ring. Like it's just if you don't Let like me... personality, just don't like personality. That's fine. Be consistent, but don't tell me you love Larry Bird and then you don't like Angel Reese. Like don't tell me that. Let me also go back, and I haven't really heard anybody talk about this, and I try not to live too much in the Twitter sewer um, just because <laughs> it starts to piss me off too much. But when you think about, like, I try to think about humans as humans. And if you really thought about the, like, where these girls came from, how they probably grew up playing, guess where most younger girls, uh, who they play basketball with? Their brothers, their male neighbors, like they have to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder to get in to the pickup game. Like you play in pickup basketball at the, at the like 
community court down the street, you better have an ego because the boys aren't going to let you play. So you almost have to have this like ego chip on your shoulder. You have to be able to talk back or else you're not going to like, they're not going to respect you. There's part of like, I mean, a lot of these girls grew up playing with their brothers and their neighbors that were guys. And so you just have to think about like, you know, how that plays into it. And it's, and also it's the same shit that, everybody else does and angel came and she said like this is i was critiqued all year for who i was i don't fit the narrative y'all call me too hood you say i'm too ghetto like but you know y'all told me that all year and then when somebody else does it you don't say anything and you're right everybody that's saying stuff about her that's not saying stuff about caitlin clark is just beating around the bush right so and if you think that way I wouldn't say it out loud. I'd go fix it and uh, no, here, again, look inward I, and then maybe try to reintegrate society because it's 2023. If you say, I don't like the taunting right into Caitlin Clark's face at the end of a game, I don't like, as long as you consistently apply that to all people in all sports. In all I, genders and all races. I'm Right. I'm not going to say anything to you. I'm going to be like, look, I don't agree. We have different lifestyles, and but it's America. You can have a different perspective on what is right, right and wrong. We and love the F word, but we respect right. you. Right. Like, I respect you for your consistency, in which case, like, if you just want to live like a, you know, an Amish Puritan, fine. That's great. You have the freedom to do that in this country. I have the freedom to enjoy trash talk because I think it's fun. I think sports is fun. I think you should flip a bat and stare at your home run. I think you should throw horns down and not get a penalty in a football game. I do, too. It's so much more fun. I draw the line at injuries. And if someone's injured, even even if someone's taunting and they don't know the player's injured, I'll give them a little bit of a break. And then as soon as you realize there's something wrong with the guy, if you stop like that, that's it. You've done you knew where the line was and you stopped. And so I don't know. I think there's a lot of coded dog whistling that's taken place over this. And I just again, we can have a smart conversation about it. I'm a, I know I'm, I'm as I'm watching my daughter play on a soccer team with boys on Monday night at practice. And I'm watching. I'm like, she has to play a little harder than everybody else. Like, that's just yep. the way it is. Um, and we get it. It's fine. <laughs> it's not a big deal. She's tough as shit. <laughs> so, so, um, just I, keep doing your thing, ladies. Just yeah. ignore it. Uh, real quickly before we get to Neil McCready, uh, of course, we're going to have a, a really long conversation with him. It, Masters. I love Masters. Masters is this week. It's like one of my favorite weeks. Uh, by the way, hat tip to Jim Nance. Um, if, if you were putting together the meal because you won the Masters last year and you got to choose the meal for all the other winners. Give me what you're putting together. I put you on the spot. I didn't tell you to prepare for this. I, I want your entree. I want your like two side items and like maybe like a something else, a shareable. Oh, or um, oh my gosh, what's the name of it? I always get it when I go to Fleming's. It's the um, no free shots. Steak. Yeah, they're not our sponsor. They can be for a price. Um, <laughs> we'll work he, for meat. <laughs> what's it called when you put the steak inside of that really fluffy like bread? You know what I'm uh, talking about. I I. I, how good is the steak? It does not belong inside of bread. No, no, no. It's it's it is it's a it's a thing. Hold on. Okay. Beef inside of <laughs> pastry. No, I'm serious. It's no, a it's I've, a thing. People have you've I, heard of it. I'm I'm su- I assume I have. It's I, um. What about okay? T- oh beef Wellington. Beef Wellington. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, with um a nice crispy Brussels. I, no? do, I do love some crispy Brussels. That's great. That's a good call. Um, a twice baked potato, a nice glass of red wine. The twice baked potato would not make like my top five side items. I don't think it would be top five. I think I think Brussels would well, be up there. Asper- asparagus would be up there. Um, maybe some like uh, I love some sautéed mushrooms and some like red ooh, wine. Yep, sauce. that's a good one. That what on about a, what a nice what about a nice creamed spinach? Uh, I'm I'm down with that. I can get down with that. Uh, rich so far what we've got going yeah on i would go filet mignon or duck breast or scallops that would be my my protein um and then i'd probably do a wagyu a wagyu beef that sounds pretty good Wagyu yeah. steak yeah that sounds good some candied um, bacon on the side one of my favorite restaurants in town makes a blue cheese coleslaw talking about kanye prime no that's not a give me a, get out of here with that crap that's gulch garbage um it's actually pretty good but <laughs> so, <laughs> It's 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 got a Vanderbilt tax on it. There, there's that, a Van, that it there's, does. There's a Vandy parents tax on that one. <laughs> on You're that not lying. Yes. No, there's uh like I like creative side items. You know, like give me some. I love greens too. Cooked greens, anything that's cooked greens would be good. 
um, and would and would fit the masters, right? Get some cooked greens down there. Um, I have a fun. I have a surprise to tell you. I'm only going to tell you half of it, though. Okay, well, I'll tell half. you after the show, but I can only tell everybody me, else half of it. Okay, give me half the surprise. I was supposed to be at the Masters starting on Thursday to do a podcast from the Masters, but Bummer. I'll not be doing that anymore. But next week, one of if you listen to this podcast, I bet you love this golfer, and he will be in studio here next week. But I can't spoil it yet. Someone who's made. Uh, Justin, Justin Thomas. Nope. Little Jordan more. Spieth, Jordan Spieth's not an SEC SEC golfer. He's a Texas guy. Well, I didn't say SEC golfer. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I don't know. Some of that y'all all like. If you like uh So are you gonna invite, and I's... you gonna invite me in to do some do some interviews with him? Talk ask yeah, some maybe. questions. <laughs> maybe. If you give me a hat. I'll, I'll, you can do the interview. That's fine. You could just just no, ask. I just say, some... can you, I just want a hat, and I'll let you, you do it. You, I've got the hat right here from University okay. Traditions. Speaking of, let's give away a hat. Uh, before here, here was our conversation. Long conversation. Enjoy the Masters, everybody. Uh, enjoy bat flips too. Here was our conversation with Neil McCready of Rebel Grove, giving you an Ole Miss State of the Union for spring football. Neil, welcome to the show, man. Always a pleasure to see you. Thank you for joining us, man. Brayden, it's always good to be with you. Uh, you're one of my favorite people in this in this uh, sphere that we operate in. I started <laughs> to call it a business, a field. I'm not really exactly <laughs> sure what the hell it is, uh, but what it, whatever it is that we all sort of do, I, I admire the way that you do it. Well, I, that go on. Uh, also, thanks for joining us. That's all we needed. Uh, I appreciate your time. Uh, have a wonderful day. Thank you, sir. <laughs> uh, no, we're going to do Ole Miss State of the Union. I'm going to take a look at uh, – they just had their first open practice, of course. We'll take a look at the quarterbacks, the roster, expectations, the relationship with the fans. We are also going to continue to give away more details about how you can win this super sweet Ole Miss hat. Check that out. If you're looking at YouTube, you, of course, can see it. That is an Ole Miss Rebels hat, although not officially an Ole Miss Rebels hat. From University Traditions, of course. Uh, they do great, great work, and I've got a Rebels hat here uh, for you Ole Miss fans. We'll give you some more details on how you can win that at the end of the interview here. But let's start just real quickly. I mean, I'm assuming the quarterback is is like the quarterback thing is everything you guys talk about. Um, I, I I sort of have a, a preconceived notion of, of what it is, but I want you to sort of correct me and guide us through the three names. Jackson Dart is clearly the most experienced, but Lane Kiffin doesn't necessarily love everything about him. That's why he had Luke Altmeyer start a game last year. Spencer Sanders is the most experienced, also turned the ball over a lot and got hurt a lot. Walker Howard might be the most accurate and the best thrower of the group and therefore might win the job eventually down the road. Where am I wrong? Where am I right? And how should fans be looking at these three names? Oh, let's see. I think you are generally correct. Um... A couple of minor corrections. This is more like I feel like it's you watch Iron Chef. I watch Iron Chef a lot. Like they'll they'll pick apart like little things and they'll always point out, look, you know, this is great, but yeah, you know, we're 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 paid to pick apart. So here's here's a right, here's, right. here's a critique. You know, the, the pate's a little grainy. Um <laughs> <laughs> I watch yeah, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't realize you were such a pate expert. I didn't know. I watch a lot of food shows, man. <laughs> I don't know what it is about. I'm the idiot that runs on a treadmill. I'll run 10 miles on a treadmill watching food shows. It's bizarre. Oh, chef's uh, chef's table is chef's table is my favorite, man. I yeah, I, I just like I love that show. I love food shows. Um so I guess the the two minor critiques. Altmeyer started a game last year because I think he wanted the perception of fairness. Uh, and I think it was just a, a hey, I'm going to give both of these guys an opportunity. But you're right in that I don't think Lane Kiffin ever completely was thrilled with everything Jackson Dart. I don't think he ever got to a place where he goes, hey, this, this, this guy, I can win the whole thing with this guy. I don't think he got there. Now, he likes Dart, and Dart's a competitor. And Jackson is a a leader. He's a charismatic kid. He cares. He uh, he he puts in the work. Um, he likes all those things about him. But I think last year sometimes didn't make great decisions at times. Didn't see open receivers. Now he was running for his life at times too back there. So there was there was you know there's stuff. Um, Spencer Sanders Braden started. 42 games at Oklahoma State. Think about that in the era in which we cover college football today. 42 games. It's a lot of football at one place. Um, now, he's not completely healthy. 
He's got a shoulder issue that he, he got hurt midway through last season, missed a couple of games, came back and competed at the end. Uh, you know, he he's he didn't throw a lot in the offseason before spring at Ole Miss. Um, and then you're right about Howard. Certainly a, 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 a guy that when you watch him in practice, you're like, whoa, arm talent. It's real. Um, throws a beautiful deep ball. Um, young. Um, left LSU, a place where he was happy, uh, left because he was sort of trapped as the third-team quarterback with Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer. Um, you know, his dad played at LSU. His uh, mother, who uh, unfortunately is no longer with us, went to LSU, was an LSU fan. Uh, LSU means something to Walker Howard. He, he, he made a business decision to leave, and so it stands to reason that he didn't leave a place where he was happy and he knew, and again, this is not a knock on Ole Miss or anything, but Walker Howard knows a lot more about LSU than he knows about Ole Miss. Right. There's a comfort level at LSU. He has all those friends on the team. His girlfriend goes there, everything, right? Would have been easy if he's going to be the, if, if you said, Hey, Walker, no matter where you go, buddy, you're going to be a third team quarterback next year. He just stayed at LSU. Yeah. Yeah. He come into Ole Miss because someone told him on the recruiting pitch, hey, you're, you're, you're going to be no worse than number two. You're going to get meaningful practice reps. You're going to be developed. You are the quarterback of the future here. The quarterback of the future at LSU is Garrett Nussmeyer. Quarterback of the future at Ole Miss is Walker Howard. This is where it gets interesting. Spencer Sanders, this is it. This is his last year. If he plays it at Oklahoma State, if he plays it at Ole Miss, if he goes to Sam Houston, this is it. This is it. So if you're Walker Howard and they tell you, hey, we're going to bring in Spencer Sanders, and they did tell him that, we're going to bring in Spencer Sanders, you know his eligibility is up at the end of this season. Egg bowl, bowl game, whatever. When that game's over, he's done. He's out of the way. Jackson Dart has more time. Now, I think in Jackson Dart's mind, he says, I'm going to win the job. I'm going to kick ass. I'm going to be an NFL quarterback, and I, I'm going to have the option to declare and leave. This is his third college season. He can bolt after this year and go to the NFL and 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 count the money. But if you're Walker Howard, you're like, okay, well, what if, what if he just stays and is good, and decides to come back for another year? Because now I don't. Am I backing up him for two years? Because if that's the case, maybe I should have gone to TCU because they really wanted me bad. So. I, I, I don't know where this thing's going. And then I go to the Lane Kiffin part of this. This is the longer answer than you ever thought. Lane Kiffin's not a conventional thinker. So all the things that you and I just said, that I just said to you are conventional thoughts. Like if you look at this <laughs> rationally, logically, this isn't a knock on, on Lane. Like a normal human think, being. Just, <laughs> I don't think Lane cares if at the end of this, he for lack of a better word, screws one of these kids. I just don't think he cares. I think Lane views it as, hey, look, these are professional sports. My job is to win games. My job is to improve my team. Yeah. I'm going to put as many talented people into a room as possible. Uh, let them compete. The best one's going to play. And if we do that at enough positions on the field, we'll win enough games to compete for a championship. I think that's the way Lane thinks. And, and, and in many ways, cool. But yeah. this thing's got... In the spring, it's one thing, but if we're doing this in August, this is going to get weird. Well, it's why the, the 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 next window for the portal could be very interesting. It, it is the most one of the most non conventional quarterback races I've seen ever with a returning starter, a guy with forty two games of experience, and then a guy who probably actually could run the offense the most efficiently. Yes, by by, by probably by mid season, I would say. Um, Jackson Dart has a high floor because he's they're familiar with him and he knows him. But like this isn't this isn't Lane Kiffin's fault or the players' fault. The system that we now all operate in has created this type of environment for this to happen. As long as Lane Kiffin's telling the kids the truth, like I'm good with whatever happens. And then frankly, I I, I wanted to move on here, but I'm assuming there's a very good chance one of the three decides to leave again in April. Right? Is that possible that one of the three, not, probably not Walker, but like, I mean, is yeah, it Walker, is it Jackson Walker Dart? Leave. Walker won't leave, but I, I mean. So Jackson believes, and his father's been very vocal about it, that he's going to win the job, that he's got the locker room, um, that, that it's, it's his job. And, and look, he has looked really good in the spring. 
Uh, he looks better. He, he, he's, uh, he's improved his body. Uh, he's throwing the ball better. He's more comfortable in the system. You know, a year ago when he was here a year ago in spring, he was swimming, you know, learning a yeah. brand new system. It's completely different than what they did at, at USC. And so, you know, uh, what Clay Helton did at USC when he was there, um, it's completely different. And so it took him a minute. And last year was his first year as the starter in the SEC. And he was, and, uh, you know, it stands, I, I say this all the time about Jackson Dart. Jackson turns 20 in May. He's still a young guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a young dude. So is it possible that Spencer Sanders came because they offered him some NIL and he said, I'm going to give it a shot. And if I don't win the job, I'll go down a level. I don't know. Jackson, I think graduates this summer. Could he leave as a grad transfer and go home to Utah and play at BYU in the fall? Or, or could he, yeah. if he's, but if you told Jackson Dart, Hey, you're not going to win the job. You're going to sit a year. I think he'd probably tell you, I'm going to go someplace and sit a year, learn the system and be their quarterback in 24. Yeah. I, I don't know where this is going. I, I really don't. It, I completely understood Walker Howard. Like you get a chance to add a five-star quarterback like that with his kind of pedigree and his arm talent, you do it. But when they brought Spencer Sanders in, it was like, whoa, what is this? Like, and, and all three of these guys, and here's the reality. All three of these guys are getting NIL money. Well, it's a roster that has some holes. Yeah. So would you be better off taking one of the quarterbacks NIL money and buying a defensive end? Well, and especially since we know Hugh Freeze was offering starting reps, basically to both to, to not to probably Spencer Sanders and maybe to Walker Howard as well. Like he, Hugh Freeze at Auburn was trying everything in his power to get to get Spencer Sanders to come Which and would be a good fit the, in his offense, too. It begs the question, did Lane Kiffin go get Spencer Sanders so that Hugh Freeze couldn't? <laughs> and listen, God, I love that. Everything is on the table. And and as long as you do what I'm about to do, I think it's fair to say it. I don't know. I don't know. We 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 live in a world where everybody always wants to be an expert on everything. I don't know everything that Lane Kiffin was thinking. I know things that got said in recruiting visits because I've talked to people who were in the room, but I don't know everything that got said. And so is it possible that Lane Kiffin just said, Hey, I'm going to have a competition. Sure. Is it possible that Lane Kiffin said in, in the process, I can stop Hugh freeze who I think he's pissed off at from no. getting Sir Sanders. Yeah, sure. Why not? No, that's, that's not like Lane at all. Um, all right. Uh, wide receiver, this, this, like I, I covered AJ Brown for, for the four years he was here in Nashville, the three years he was, he was here in Nashville. Uh, we've seen all the other receivers. Uh, JJ Henry had a big, is having a good spring so far. What just, how, how good is, we know the running back situation, but how good is the supporting cast around these guys? Th this has turned into a university, no matter who's the head coach that is just like churning out NFL talent at wide receiver and tight end. So just what, what is the state of this collection of guys relative to maybe the last, you know, seven, eight, nine years? It's a little hard to say in the spring because Jordan Watkins is out. Trey Harris, who transferred from Louisiana Tech, is out right now with an injury. Um, they've added uh, Chris Marshall from Texas A&M, who is an elite talent. You can tell he's got some growing up to do, but he's young. Um, again, a guy that a year ago was a five-star player, you know, so, I mean, and you see it flash on the field at times. I mean, he makes plays. Um, they added Caden Prescorn, the tight end from Memphis, who I think was a big, big, big addition for them. Two reasons. One, they this offense is tight end dependent. And last year, they were not particularly great at tight end. Prescorn will shore that up, and he allows them to use Michael Trigg if Trigg takes that maturity step that he's yet to take. It allows him to play in the slot, to do some things with his athleticism, and he is incredibly athletic. But it, it, I, I think the supporting cast is generally better than it was a year ago. Now, Zach Evans is gone, and, and with him goes um, a lot of Quinshawn Judkins' insurance policy. Yeah. Um, you know, Malik Heath was terrific last year for Ole Miss. Jonathan Mingo was really good for Ole Miss last year. They're both gone. Those were weapons that Jackson Dart depended on. So, I mean, look, I think they need to go in the portal and add another receiver. Um, you know, up front right now, it's hard to say because two starters are out and another one was being disciplined on Saturday. So it's a, it's a makeshift yeah. offensive line. I think they'll end up being okay up front. Um, it, it's they've got a chance to be a, a really good offensive team. It's just when you don't know kind of how they're going to do the quarterback, like yeah. 
you know, as if it's Spencer Sanders, you're running a lot. It's, you, you know, he's, he's, he's a weapon with his feet. If it's dart, uh, you know, you're, you're, it's a little bit of a hybrid. And if you end up going with Walker Howard, you know, it's a pro style. Hey, we're going to throw this thing all over the place. Cause Walker Howard's he's athletic and he can, he can make plays with his feet, but that's not why he's on college scholarship. He's, he's there to throw the football. No, it's the reason why uh, I'm putting the over under at five week, five and a half that he is uh, the most accurate passer in the offense. Uh, and by week six is the one that is working the geometry better than everybody else in Lane Kiffin's offense and able to hit the manipulate the linebackers and hit the it's all about timing and accuracy. And I think he that's that's just my personal opinion. I don't we already talked a lot about the quarterbacks. Uh, Pete Golden comes in on defense now. Sort of strange. This is going to sound this is not an insult to Ole Miss at all. It's not meant to be in any way, shape or form. Amicable divorce for Pete Golding in Alabama. He needed a change. They wanted to change. But that doesn't mean it's not a significant upgrade for Ole Miss. And it and it probably is. They're going to move to the four two five. But what what can fans expect other than that extra guy with the hand in the dirt? What is the difference going to be? As what seems like from the outside looking in, Ole Miss continues to sort of slowly make progress on defense under Lane Kiffin in three years. Yeah, I think that's <clears throat> all of that's more than fair. Um, I think I think there was a frustration last season with the three man front. Now it was Lane Kiffin's idea to have the three-man front. I don't think that's what Chris Partridge really wanted to do. Um, DJ Durkin did it, and then I think Lane wanted to keep doing it for the continuity. Yeah. And it really didn't work. Um, Golding is an upgrade. Golding is a recruiting upgrade. He's a terrific recruiter. Uh, you nailed it about Alabama. I just think they hit a point where it was time to kind of move on. But Nick Saban wasn't, wasn't firing Pete Golding. I mean, that's the part that people don't realize or don't acknowledge in this did, did Nick Saban probably want to move on? Yeah, probably. But was he going to fire Pete Golding? He was not. I mean, if, if Pete Golding wanted to be the defensive coordinator in Alabama right now, he yep. would be. Yep. And so it's a big get for Ole Miss. Um, now, is it a big get that's going to net results this year? I don't know. I've got real – like when I watch them on in practice – you have to remind yourself that, hey, this is spring. They've got some guys that are out with injuries and whatnot. They're learning a new system. There's a lot of learning going on. There's some swimming, as you would expect, in March and April going on. But I worry about depth. I worry, do you have enough guys in the front seven? There's no Will Anderson out there. Yep. There's no Henry Toa Toa. There's no uh, the other defensive end for Alabama whose name is escaping me right now, uh, Dallas. Oh, God. Turner, um, yeah, yeah. Turner, thank you. Yeah. Those cats aren't in Oxford right now. It's hard, it, it, it's, it's hard to switch to a four-man front when you don't have a bunch of five-stars on the depth chart. Yeah, and in, they don't. In general, in general. And they don't. Now, they added Josh Harris from NC State, and 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 he looks the part. Um, they've got some other guys that are there that that have played. Cedric Johnson's played a lot of SEC football, and, and he's going to be a solid defensive end. But they, they don't have – that one guy that you go, this dude's going to disrupt the passing game. And this guy right here, he's going to handle the running game. And so for Pete Golding, the adjustment's going to be, now look, he's coached at places besides Alabama, right? When he was at UTSA and they were putting up really good defensive numbers, that was not a collection of future NFL stars. Right. So, I mean, when people act like Pete Golding could not coach players who aren't <laughs> top 10 NFL picks, that's disingenuous. Right. But he's got to adjust from, there's no Will Anderson here. There's, there's not those guys where you have top 10 picks sporadically all over. There's no Brian Branch on the back end for Ole Miss right now. Um, but he's a good coach. They'll be better, I think, as the season goes along. But I think they've got to get in the portal in May, and I think they know it, and I think yep. they've got to address defensive line. They need to add another linebacker. Um, probably they, they probably need to add as many people as they can get up front. They, they be, and they got to be impactful guys. It can't just be bodies. And I don't know whether that's going to be there in May or not. Yeah. And oh, by the way, you're playing in the healthiest SEC West we've maybe ever seen uh, in the history of the division, um, oh, which which sure. which is sort of our, our last two questions here. Um, it's sort of a, like a, the old three part question, Neil, which is very strange, but it's sort of the, the it's the state of the roster currently at this state of the, you know, in spring going into Lane's fourth year versus expectations of the fans. Versus what happened in the offseason flirt, flirting with Auburn. Now, I never really thought he was going to go, but well, I'm sure there's plenty of fans that did. I'm sure there's plenty of report reporters that did. 
And mm-hmm. there probably was some time there where Lane probably thought about it pretty heavily and was pretty close to going. But you package all of this together and you have a, you know, a guy who's winning a lot of games, uh, a roster that kind of continues to be put together in sort of unique and creative ways. Mm-hmm. You have expectations now from fans and, oh, by the way, the flirtation in the offseason. So how does that all work together into where is this team relative to the past and what should fan expectations be for, for, for the fourth year for Lane? Oh, there's a lot there. Um, yeah, sorry. All right. So no, no, no. It's it's all good. It's stuff I've I've thought about too. You know, this is a team that started seven and zero last year, and and they were um, eight and one at at one point when Alabama they were eight and one and and looking like they were in control of the Alabama game at times. And you go from that to where they finished, which was Alabama beat them, Arkansas blew them out. They lost at home to Mississippi State. Uh, they went to a bowl game that nobody was excited about and lost to a Texas Tech team that wanted to be there. So they lost five of their last six games, and he flirted with Auburn. And look, it, he definitely flirted with Auburn. I mean, he 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 really <laughs> flirted with Auburn. Okay, I mean, he Auburn wanted Lane Kiffin for a long time. I think Lane Kiffin was very serious about Auburn. I don't know precisely what happened in those last few days. I think it was a multifaceted sort of both sides had some cold feet as they got close to the altar and things fell apart. Um, but it was, it was, it was, it was real and whether it was a distraction or not, I don't know. Um, I think they had a hard time getting over the Alabama game. And they played a Arkansas team that was senior night, motivated, and they just got popped. Okay, I don't, I don't think they lost that game because of the Auburn stuff. Right. But from a fan standpoint, that night was a hard night because you're watching on television as an Arkansas team that ends up going what seven and six or something like that. Uh, an Arkansas team just wallops you. It was forty-two to six at one point in the third quarter. And the broadcast crew, Cole and all those guys, are talking about Auburn. Yep. Tough night for a fan. And 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 then five nights later, you lose to Mississippi State. I've said this a long time, and I'm I'm one of the few people who says this over and over. I thought they lost twice on in Fayetteville. I thought they lost the the Arkansas game, and I thought thought they lost the Egg Bowl. There was at no point that night did somebody apparently say, Hey, look, we're not winning this. We can we can put some lipstick on this pig, but we're not winning this. Let's get the hell out of here. Let's get ready for state. We got a game in five nights. Let's go win that game. And had they done that and won that game, I think, I think we're having a different conversation, but they didn't. They had 98 offensive snaps in Fayetteville. And five nights later, they looked a little sluggish and they lost to a Mississippi state team that uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, We, we revisit, we view them differently because of what happened with, with Mike Leach, but that wasn't a good state team. They weren't good. There was a game Ole Miss should have won, and they didn't win it because they just weren't ready for that game, and that was a direct result of how much energy they expended in Fayetteville turning 42-6 to into 42-27. to It's still a double-digit loss. It, right, it, right. You, know, you know what I'm saying? So, that look, that ended the Lane Kiffin honeymoon here. That, that period ended the honeymoon. Now, can he get the fans back? Of course. Um, but they gave him $9 million a year. He asked for NIL money, and they they went above and beyond what he asked for. Um, the expectations are higher. I think the relation, the the flirtation with Auburn, uh, turned the relationship from a love affair into a business relationship, and uh, where it's okay, you know, you're our coach, and we love you, but you know, you better win or we're going to get tired of the dog and we're going to get tired of the social media. It, it, it's, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. like it is it, poor old juice. It's not his fault, but like <laughs> juice is not going to be quite as adorable at six and six as he would be at no. nine, three or 10 and two. So this is a big year for lane here. I think it's made bigger for two reasons. One, the playoff starts in 24. If they can keep Quinshawn Judkins, he'll be a junior. You'll have an experienced quarterback yep. one way or the other. Um, they have another year with the portal. They're, they're, they're doing better with high school recruiting. You've got golding, all those things we talked about the, I, I think the fans target 2024 as that's a year that we should compete nationally. That's how they think. 
Um, but this schedule's different now. I mean, it's it's different this time. Last year, the schedule was was pretty favorable mm-hmm. on the front end, and to Ole Miss's credit, they navigated it and, and handled it, and they got to Baton Rouge seven and zero and ranked in the top ten in the country. They beat Kentucky at home, and 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 kind of that was really the only real challenge, and they got it. And then the back end, we knew it was going to be difficult, and it was. And and this year, I'm grabbing it because I haven't memorized it yet. Um, <laughs> neither, neither have I. It's it's harder. How about that? <laughs> it's well, it's a lot harder because here's why: in the first six weeks of the season, it, it, play, it's the hardest G5 game on anyone's schedule in Amer in any Power Five team in America. How about you that? Play two, you play Tulane in Week Two in New yep. Orleans. They're going to be super geeked up for it. Uh, They'll 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 handle Georgia Tech, but then you got to go to Alabama in Week Four. You get LSU at home seven days later. You get Arkansas at home seven days later. Then you got to go to Auburn. You know you don't think they'll be excited for that. Um, you know Lane's Lane instead of going, they got to go to Georgia this year. Um, the the Egg Bowls in Startville. I mean, I mean, look, it's it's a different schedule than the one a year ago. So. You know, I've had people say eight wins, and I'm like, man, okay, but eight wins to me feels kind of ceiling-ish, and yeah. and so I always do the, well, what's the floor? And the floor is lower than that. And so, is it possible that Ole Miss is a better football team than last year and go seven and five? Yeah, and and if that's the case, are fans rational about it? Well, you know, Braden, because you do this for a living, fans are always rational until the game start, <laughs> and then rational. <laughs> thought gets thrown out the window so you might, you might be giving them too much credit you know in april i think it starts pretty, friday i think it starts friday morning around like 8 a.m the, the rationality starts to disappear yeah i just i just look at the schedule and i mean i can find losses yeah. oh and, yeah. yeah you know and, and if they were to start even if they were to get to the turn at like three and three or four and two what's the what's the mood you know four and two is beating Tulane, beating um beating arkansas that's and, and and those are games I think they'll win. Is is this roster one to eighty five better than any of his previous? T- is it better than the t- the team in two years ago in twenty twenty one? One to eighty five. Um, yeah, probably. It's okay. probably better now. It doesn't have that top end, other than Judkins. You know, and look, Judkins might make the step next year that all this is 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 moot, where he's right. so good that yeah. that you know they they just they dominate, but. Um, it's, it's offensively. I think this is his most talented unit across the board. Defensively. It's not, I mean, there's, you know, they, they've got to, they're going to have to, they're going to have to fit some glue, some things together defensively, unless they add some, you know, impactful players in the portal in May. All right, I got one more for you, um, and uh, let's give away this uh, fancy fancy uh, Ole Miss hat here. If you're looking at YouTube, you can check it out. University Traditions, of course, uh, our wonderful friends over there over at University Traditions. And so I asked earlier, I told everybody earlier, Neil, the story about uh, this is before I met my wife. Just want to be very clear about this. Before I met my wife, which was New Year's Eve 2012, so 2013 is when I met my wife. I went to Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, had an extraordinary experience, an extremely memorable experience with a woman I was dating at the time, that was not my wife. She was an Ole Miss grad. We went and had a great time. It was one of the most extraordinary games I've ever seen in person in real life, probably maybe ever played at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. I'm going to add some context to that so that people, if you didn't already get it, maybe, maybe you might get it. So before 2013 is the number one piece of context. It happened before 2013. It was obviously a home game. And obviously, extraordinary, memorable performance by one individual player. Oh, I think I know. And I was wearing the other team's colors in the student section. So, but so you might know, you might know, don't say it out loud, but mm-hmm. I was at the game. It was still one of my favorite moments ever as a college football fan. I had an absolute blast the entire time. Uh, but it was one of the most memorable performances by an individual player in the history of that stadium. And I was there before. I might add again before I met my wife. <laughs> I want to be clear. So if you know that game and you can tell me, maybe even the player, either one, I will send you this old Miss hat for free from University Traditions. All right. So that there you go. There's some more context. I'm giving some more clues away as the show goes along. Last one for you, Neil. You're very gracious with your time here. 
what is the final piece here? Because uh, I agree that the program now has all the money in the world. They have the SEC logo on the chest. They've not really been competitive since integration in terms of the national championship conversation. The playoffs going to expand. They got all the money in the world. They got the coach. Like, like the offense is, is fun and, and very attractive. The NIL looks like it's set up. What is the missing piece sort of regular recruiting to get them to 10 wins? Is it just that the SEC is so incredibly difficult with powerhouses at LSU and Bama and Georgia? Like what, what is the final piece that Ole Miss is missing? I mean, it, it's it's two things, kind of. It's it's breaking through on the high school recruiting at a little higher level. That's number one. That's hard. Not it's not like they're not trying, right? And then it's just getting there, right? I mean, it's just finishing it. It's it's as a kid, uh, I remember the Houston Oilers. Bum Phillips always talked about they knocking on the door and got to break the door down. Ole Miss has kind of knocked on the door and you just got to break it down. And that's easier said than done. Like if last year they'd beaten Alabama. Yep. Yep. You know, it, it all of a sudden they're in the month of November and they're a title contender. I mean, we're having a different conversation. It, it's just getting over that last hurdle. That's it. And that's hard. It's a big hurdle. So like you said, it's a, it's a brutal league. It's about to get more brutal. I mean, you know, we're having this conversation. If you're talking to Texas A&M right now, right? It's, 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 for all the talent and all the stuff, they 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 haven't gotten there. Um, they're they're not they're not a contender. They're not particularly relevant. They they keep losing to Ole Miss and State. Um, you know, I mean, Auburn and, and had their one year that were close. Like they finished fifth in the yeah. playoff rankings a couple of years ago. So that was they got to knock the door down, right? Like that's you your know, point. Auburn just hired Hugh Freeze, and and you know Hugh Freeze, all he's going to be asked to do, it's pretty simple, is beat Alabama and beat Georgia. I mean, if you do that, <laughs> man, you're good. I mean, that's all you got to do. Um, you know, I mean, and now LSU's back. I mean, I I, I think LSU's the best team in 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 the division, and and um, I mean, I think they're a, 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 an absolute contender, and and they're back. And so you're, and then you're going to add Texas and Oklahoma, and they're going to be awakened when you walk into this league because you. You know, the, the games against South Carolina and Kentucky and Mississippi State that you think are, are W's are not. And then you go to Fayetteville and on, yeah. on a night and, you know, you've kind of got you're a little you're a little flat or whatever. And you look up and you're down five touchdowns. That happens to people. It happened to Texas not long ago. It happened to Ole Miss last year. I mean, it's just a brutal league. And, and, and so yeah. I don't know for Ole Miss, it's just getting over the last hurdle. And there's no guarantee that you do it because there's. The whole time that you're trying to pull up, people are trying to stomp your fingers and make you fall off, and that's just how it works. Well, the good news for Ole Miss fans is that the system itself is is being changed to put them in a better situation, and they're among a few programs that are positioning themselves b very well for that change coming in a couple of years. Uh, yeah. I might even throw I might even throw Kentucky into that mix as well. So uh, Tennessee it, it also. So. Uh, there you have I'll it, Neil. Always alive. a yeah, Neil, Neil. Always a pleasure, man. Uh, great stuff as usual. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Enjoy the Masters, uh, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, man. See you, Braden. That was Neil McCready, of course, from Ole Miss. And Aaron, you told me you were like, "Hey, make sure you ask him about what's the last thing they need. What's the thing they're missing?" And and my answer to that question is to you win ask a championship. Me, to, to win a championship. My answer, and he kind of alluded to it, is to recruit from like one to eighty-five from high school in the top fifteen. Like it, you got to build your roster with eighteen-year-olds and then develop them a two deep that is as good as you know Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, whatever. Um. But his answer was kind of interesting because it's like we just got they just got to break through. They got to kick the door in. They've got to finish the job, get over the hump. And Texas A&M is going through this. Tennessee's going to probably go through this for a while. Like there is an element of like you Georgia had to deal with this before they won the national championship. Like you got to kind of kick the door in. Um, eventually, you got to break in. Now, I think the playoff expanding is going to give Ole Miss a lot of opportunity to to make the playoff with Lane Kiffin as long as he's got a good quarterback. But win the West, win the SEC, win a national title. I don't know. That that's a that's a tough ask for a team built in the portal. So you're not wrong. Well, he shed some light. I like ending on a show when someone says you're not wrong. I like that. Um, and again, it's a compliment coming from me. It is. It's all relative. Allegedly, allegedly, an Ole Miss Rebels hat from University Traditions. Our good friends over there at University Traditions. So make sure uh, you submit what took place, what game. 
extremely memorable, one of the most memorable individual performances in the history of Ole Miss Rebel football. I was there. I was wearing a shirt of another color, and it was still one of the greatest moments of my entire college football life. Tweet me that game or something about that game, and I'll send you a hat, you Rebel fans, at Braden Gall, at 440 Sports. Aaron, where can people find you? What sewers Aaron, are you, what sewers are you hanging out in? Other ones. The Aaron Dugan on Twitter and Aaron underscore Dugan on Instagram. There you have it. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Neil McCready for joining us. Relax, folks. Sports are supposed to be fun. Have a good time. Real.